First Sunday, I like to always take a moment and express gratitude and thanksgiving for the outgoing rector's warden. Every year, God blesses me as the rector of this church with a wonderful rector's warden who would give me wise counsel, wise advice, and really literally ministers to me. And, and Charlie Baxter has been that to me last year, and I just want to thank him. Where's Charlie sitting? Where is, he normally sits in the balcony. Where's Charlie? Come on, stand up, Charlie. Here you go, over there. Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. And next year, I am delighted that uh, Paul Kim has accepted my invitation to be the Richter's warden next year. Where is Paul sitting? He normally sits right there. Here you go. Thank you. I am absolutely convinced that there is no one who is living today, (laughs) whether you are 100 or 15, there's no one who is living today uh, would remember a year like 2020. I am absolutely confident of that. (laughs) And I personally believe that our lives are never going to be the same. Everybody talks about we want to go back to normal, but our lives will never be the same. Just like September 11, 2001 had changed the way we travel, I think 2020 is going to change everything for the future. But I'm not going to rehash. (laughs) That's the last thing I want to do, is to rehash the difficulties and the challenges and all the other uh, problems that we had faced together and God has brought us through and all of that. But because the Scripture teaches us to take time and to set a marker, you remember the Scripture so many times, they'll put a stone of remembrance. Uh, Several years ago in the New Year, I preached about the Ebenezer stone, Um, and then I preached one time about the the stones that Joshua placed in the Jordan uh, River to remind them of what God has done. And so this being a year like this, it's very important for us to set a a mark of remembrance of times like this, to remember the mercy of God, to remember the grace of God, to remember all the goodness of God to us. So I'm just going to do just that today. Um, I want us to stop and to think at the beginning of this new year. We know that for the folks who do not know God, those who have never had the joy of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of their life and the Lord of their life, we know that when every new year comes, they talk about drowning the old year, I presume in a pool of Jack Daniels. And they talk about ringing the new year. I'm assuming it's also another pool of alcohol. Uh, Or welcome the new year with a giant hangover. But in reality, many of these folks, and that really something breaks my heart, is 
they're not going to remember the drowning or the ringing, except the ringing ears. But that's not new. That is really not new. For hundreds of years, people try to drown the old and ring in the new for hundreds of years. But each year only brings them new emptiness in life, only brings them new spiritual vacuums as created in their lives. Even ancient Rome's, ancient Rome uh, tried to do this business of drowning and ringing, and, 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 and so much so that is why in the Roman calendar, the month of January, the word January comes out of the God, the Roman god Janus. And the Roman god Janus, as you see on the screen, is basically depicted in two faces. One face looking back at the year past and is filled with sorrow and dismay and perplexity. And the the, and, 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 and the other face looks forward to the new year, but it looks forward to the new year with hope, optimism, and confidence. And this just keeps repeated year after year. Not many years ago, the Italians used to have a very, very dangerous and a very expensive habit in the new year. The Italians are known for loving a party. <laughs> But the, 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 this practice was really not only dangerous, but was expensive, and that's why the government outlawed it a few years ago. Uh, this is their way of drowning the old and ringing in the new, and this is how they would do it. Uh, first of all, at, the, at night, mid, uh, New Year's night, they emptied the streets of pedestrians and, and, and cars, not because the drivers are drunk, but they, they just moved them out of the way to empty the streets, because at the stroke of midnight, uh, the windows are open and the balcony doors are open, and then all of a sudden, items will be falling from these buildings, from the high-rise buildings. Uh, could be ornaments or crockery or sometimes even furniture. <laughs> Anything in their possession that reminded them of something negative in the past year, they wiped it out. <laughs> Uh, out of their mind by tossing it out the window into the streets. And as I said, of course, the government had to outlaw this because it was very expensive. <laughs> they had to come back and clean the streets the, ne the next day. They found it therapeutic, but in the end, two or three days later, probably they're just as depressed. But I thank God for those of us who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ because to us, we do not resort to any of these useless antics, <laughs> because we know that our God is yesterday, today, and forever, because we know that our God is the God who overrules our past sins, and He forgives our past sins. Our God controls the present, but our God also ensures our future. And because of this, we spend every day, it doesn't matter whether it is January 1 or December 31, we spend every day thanking and praising God uh, for every event and every circumstance in our lives. 
We praise and thank God for the ups and downs of life. We praise and thank God for the hard times and for the easy times. We bless and thank God for the joys and for the sorrows. Why? Because God's promises to us are as sure as God Himself. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, one of these promises that I am going to have you recite with me until you memorize and have it ring in your ear, that is a good ringing of the ear (laughs) for the rest of the year, not just for the rest of the week. I want you to memorize them. And if you turn with me, please, in your Bibles, if you have them with you, if you don't, I want you to take time to reach out for the one in front of you. Pew, there's the Bibles in the pew. Just reach out for one. If you have your iPhone, iPad, go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Only two verses, verses 5 and 6, is one of those great promises that we need to start our new year with. Great promise from the Word of God. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. And if you found it, I want you to stand with me as I'm reading the Word of God in honor of the Word of God. We stand in honor of the Word. Here's what the Word of God said. Keep your lives free from the love of money. You notice the love of money. And be contented or be content with what you have. Because he himself has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence. We say with what? Confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, please bring those words and print them on the cortex of our minds and our hearts so that we may never forget the promises of God in this coming year. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said amen. Amen. Please be seated. When the writer to the Hebrews in the original language says, some translation kind of improvised, but in the original it says, he himself said, he himself said, he's talking about Jesus, he himself said, what did he say? Can we have it on the screen, please? Can we have it on the screen? Never will I, never will I, let's do it again. Never will I, Never will I. God bless you. This promise was for last year. This promise is for this year. This promise is of all for all eternity, whether we are here or there. Then the writer goes on to say, "The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can anyone do to me?" And the answer is nothing. <laughs> Nobody can touch me. I, you heard me say this. The congregation heard me say this many times. I am invincible until God says, you're coming home. And I win either way. Tails I win, heads I win. <laughs> to me, to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. God bless you. He himself says what? 
Never will I. Never will I. So, whatever the future brings, it makes no difference to the child of God. It makes no difference. Whether we face certainty or perplexity, whether we face joy or sorrow, whether we face prosperity or adversity, whether we face persecution or encouragement, whether we face uh, acceptance or rejection by culture, whether we uh, uh, face hardship or smooth sailing, none of that affect our relationship with the King of the universe. Why? Because He promised what? Okay, let's, let's do it uniformly, okay? He promised what? Never I am going to be at it all day long today. And so we say with confidence. Our confidence doesn't come from our IQ. Our confidence doesn't come from our connections. Our confidence doesn't come of who we know or what, who, or what we know. No, no, no. Our confidence comes from that promise. The Lord is my helper. That is, we say that with confidence. I will not be afraid. What can any man do to me? And beloved, this is what I do not need to drown <laughs> anything or wring anything. All of my sins have been drowned under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in the past. All of my future is guaranteed because it's in His hand. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, we are seated in the heavenlies. We are seated in the heavenlies. Do you know if you're a child of God, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of your soul and the Lord of your life, that you already, you may be seated here in this sanctuary, but you are actually seated in heaven as well. This is where God sees you. He already sees you in heaven, seated in heaven. You know, during the pandemic and uh, some of the stadiums and some of the arenas and even some churches, they cut pictures of people and put them in the pews. Thank God we didn't have to do that. <laughs> so that they can imagine the people sitting there. Now, you, it's not a cutting of you, but you, 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 you are actually sitting in the heavenlies right now at this very moment, even though you might be sitting here. You see, you and I are seated in the arena in heaven. Uh, not a cutout, but you really you. <laughs> you the person. And Jesus looks at you, and he sees you already with him in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Just think about this. Today, let me do my usual gig. And the reason I do my usual gig is to help discipline me, because I can go all over the place. But I do this for self-discipline. And that is to give you three markers to hang your thoughts on. Three markers. And I try to get them all starting with one letter so that you can remember them. That really is the reason for working out to get the letters all start with C, so that hopefully you will not forget them. Okay? Can I get an amen? amen. First of all, there is contentment. Everything comes out of the Word of God. I'm not making it up. I promise you. I just, I just use the words from the Scripture. The first thing is contentment. Say that with me. And the second word is companionship. Can you say that with me? And the third word is courage. 
all of them come out of the text. First, contentment. The reason we are content no matter what happens is because He promised. What did He promise? Never will I leave you. Say it with me. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He said, keep your lives free from the love of money. Sometimes you hear people in the secular world say, money is the root of all evil. That's because they don't know the Scripture. Money, when it is a slave to you, is a good thing. But when it's your master, it's a very bad thing. And that is why he didn't say money. He said the love of money. Keep yourselves free from the love of money. And be what? Content. You see, the word is not made up by me. It's in the Scripture. Be content with what you have. Why? Because he promised never, never, more than any time in my lifetime. I am seeing the spirit of discontentment in this country ruling supreme. This contentment, discontentment is found among the rich, among the middle class, among the poor. The spirit of greed and envy and covetousness is dominating our television screen night after night. That's why I stopped watching television. The widespread looting and destruction of property has reached records. Uh, the wanting of what others have without having to work for it, um, whether they even need it or not, is now accepted as a political sport. <laughs> Can I say more? Now I'm going to move. I'm going to move. I often say that if loyalty and the totality of your life, if your total life focus is being on wealth, I promise you, you will be discontented. Do you know why? Because somebody else is going to be richer than you. If the focus and the totality of the focus of your life is your looks, you will be discontented because somebody else is going to be better, better looking than you are. If the totality of your focus of life is to become famous, you will be discontented because somebody else is going to be more famous than you are. In fact, we are seeing now how the spirit of discontentment is like a canker that is eating into the souls of individuals, and beloved, it's eating into the soul of the nation. I was thinking about discontentment, and I thought of the man who said, uh, the man who has six kids is more contented than the man who has six million dollars. Why? Because the man who has six million dollars wants one more. (laughs) (laughs) 
No wonder the Apostle Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he said, godliness with contentment. Here it comes again. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. If we have food and clothing, we should be content. And that is why if the totality of your focus, if the totality of your focus is Jesus, you will be contented. You will be content. I promise you, you'll be contented. Why? Because you promise what? Never. I see because we have different ages here. So let's do it together. Never. Never. And Paul goes on to to say to Timothy, he said, this contentment that comes out of greed will drown people into destruction. Are we seeing that, are we not? In Philippians 4.12, Paul gives us the secret for contentment. Listen to me. None of us, including your pastor, born contented. <laughs> we all born discontented. But there is a secret to contentment that we must learn. Paul said, I have learned. I have learned. It is something that we learn. It is something that we discipline ourselves to learn. I have learned to be content. I have learned the secret of rejoicing regardless of my circumstances. In fact, there's an ancient Chinese proverb that goes something like this. If you want to be contented for one hour get intoxicated. If you want to be contented for three days, get married. (laughs) Very, very negative. (laughs) If you want to be contented for eight days, kill your pig and eat it. But if you want to be contented for life, learn to fish. Now, I'm going to take this pagan philosophy and apply it to the Christian life. If you truly want to be content in this coming year, learn to be fishers of men. Learn to be a soul winner. If you want to be content, learn to witness for Christ, whatever you are. Become an ambassador of Jesus Christ, for that's who you are. In the coming days, we're starting actually next Sunday, I'm going to start a new series of messages to set the vision for the decade of the 20 for the church. The team have been working so hard on this. I'm the big picture guy. I come in with the big picture, and they do all the hard work. And so we're going to make sure that by a very short period of time, everybody in the church, everybody is involved in somebody else's life, embracing the vision of uh, discipling the next generation is the longing of our hearts for the next however many years before the Lord return. And it is the practical outcome of the mission and the vision of this church in the 20s. You see, when Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that is, everyone involved in somebody else's life, that is, being engaged and seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He said, all of these things are going to be added to you. You don't have to worry about them. You don't even have to pray about them. 
It will be added to you. That's the secret of contentment. And it's in the words of Jesus. If you truly want to be content in life, in this coming year, get invested in somebody else's life. Get invested in ministry. And then watch out. I'm telling you, watch out. You're going to see the spirit of contentment is going to cover you, as we say here, like a do cover Dixie. Why? Why? Because at that point you will become confident of God's promise that says what? You're getting better. You're getting better. God bless you. So first of all, contentment. Secondly, companionship. Beloved, everything I read, and as some of you know, I'm trained as a social scientist, so it's just part of second nature to me. I read the stuff that's going on. I, I stay in touch. But everything I read tells me that loneliness is exploding in our culture. It's exploding. Loneliness is truly a pandemic. It is. In the times of we socially connected uh, with the social media and all that stuff, but that's all creating more shallowness in relationships. This pandemic is partially because most of these people do not know the one who sticks to them closer than a brother. This is partially because they do not know the one who said what? Ah. Sometimes when I read about how people, out of desperation, they pray to the saints, asking them to intercede for them, and some talk to their guardian angels and pray to the God. Some actually still pray to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But Jesus did not promise that the angels or the saints or even the Blessed Mary herself will intercede for you or be with you. What did he say? I, I, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He says, I, the great I am himself, the boss of the angels, the creator of the angels, the commander-in-chief of all the angelic beings, the Lord of all saints, the Redeemer of the Blessed Virgin Mary says, Never will I. Never will I. You know, Jonathan, in the last Sunday's message, mentioned, and if you weren't here, you can download it, that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain individuals, would be David or Samson, or whatever, the, the Holy Spirit will come on a certain person and encourage and help and lift that person to do, accomplish a goal, a task that God has for them. And then the Holy Spirit was withdrawn back to heaven. And that is why David prays in the psalm, he said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Beloved, we do not pray that in the New Testament. Because the Holy Spirit is given to us to dwell in us, to live on the inside of us. Oh, we grieve Him at the time, we quench Him at the time, but He never leaves us. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit of God came to dwell on the earth for ev in every believer, He came permanently to dwell on the earth. 
The Holy Spirit, don't ever forget, don't ever forget. The Holy Spirit is the very breath of God. The Holy Spirit is no other than the Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit is no other than the executor of the will of God on the earth. The Holy Spirit is no other than the full representation of God. He is God, the Holy Spirit. I got aggravated one time years ago when one of my colleagues kept calling the Holy Spirit it. I said, if you do that again, I'm firing you. <laughs> he said, well, it's a force. No, it is not. He's a person. In the Bible, it's in the fourth. It's a masculine pronoun. He is God, the Holy Spirit. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. He is member of the triune God. And he promised what? Never. Never. Now, beloved, you know and I know, faithfulness, and we sang about the faithfulness of God, but just faithfulness in general, whether it be in friendship or in marriage at times, is getting rarer and rarer and rarer these days. People form temporary convenient relationships and friendships. I read in some countries in the Middle East, and I won't talk in details, but I, I just read this last week, they're talking about temporary marriage that is three-year period open to extension. It's like leasing a car. Even many marriages are becoming marriage of convenience and temporary. <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I, I thought about the, the miserable guy who looked at his wife from his hospital bed, and he said, uh, you've always stood by me. When I lost my shirt in that bad investment, you were there. When I had this terrible car accident, you were there. When I got fired from, my fired from my job, you were there. And then he said, I came to the conclusion you're a bad luck. <laughs> we, we got all this screwed up, haven't we? We got this concept of loyalty totally screwed up. And yet so many Christian groups, listen to me, that breaks my heart. So many Christian groups are presenting Jesus in that same way. They present Jesus as your genie. <laughs> you know, it's your good luck, good luck charm. You just take him along on your journey, and when you get into trouble or you need him, you get him out, you ask him for what you want, and then when you're done, one way or the other, put him back and just keep moving. Oh, beloved, you have no idea how much that breaks my heart. Because for the true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that He is your most loyal, gracious, dearest of all friends that you can ever have. And He has been that to me for 54 years. Ever since I said yes to Him in 1964. The least we could do is live in obedience to His Word and not live for self, but live for Him who loved us so. He is closer to you all the time than your hands and your feet. And He promised what? 
He promised what? Never. This promise does not only lead us to contentment. That promise does not only lead us to companionship. But this promise also leads us to courage for living. Courage for living. Look at verse 6. The Lord is, not maybe on occasions or sometime when I need Him, the Lord is my helper. Can you say that with me? The Lord I will not fear. What can anyone do to me? Nothing. Now, sometimes when visitors come and see me blow my nose, think I have a cold or I'm sick. Now, no. And when I get emotional and I get teary, my nose runs, okay? It's just don't, 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 don't worry about me, okay? <laughs> they come back after I said, I'll pray for your cold. No, I don't have a cold. <laughs> oh. You should see me when I pray. Listen to me. What I'm going to tell you is not a great revelation. What I'm going to say is not a great revelation. Certainly it's not going to be a great revelation to most of you and maybe to some. We are facing an uncertain future. And I know there are so many who are facing this new year with trepidation. I know that. I talk to enough people. They are facing it with fear and apprehension. They're facing it with deep worry about themselves and about their families and about their children. They're deep worried about their business. They're worried about the economy. They feel they're uncertain about the future policies and politics. They're uncertain about lots of things. Certainly, we can anticipate more an increase on anti-God activities. We certainly should expect an increase. That's why the vision that we have starting next week, we're going to be talking about these things. The church is the place to talk about these things, by the way. The home is the place to talk about these things I'll be talking about. We're going to be facing an increase in curtailing of Christian freedom. There will be increase in attack on biblical morality. But nonetheless, one of the things that I have learned through the years is that most people, not everybody, most people are not so much afraid of the unknown as much as they're afraid their responsibility for what is known. Are you with me? But listen to me. When you truly claim the promise of Jesus who said what? Never. We will neither fear the unknown or the known. We will face both with confidence. Uh, we will face both with courage. We will face both with anticipation. 
we will face both with expectations to see how God is going to manifest Himself in the difficult times. I think it will be like that first grader who was asked in the new year that by the teacher, what do you all want to do when you grow up? You know, this is kind of icebreaker. And this kid said, well, when I grow up, I want to train wild animals. He said, well, I want to handle fierce lions and tigers, and I'm going to go into the cage. And then he stopped. He said, of course, mommy's going to be with me. <laughs> Beloved, listen to me. As lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be confident in the new year. Why? Because we have Jesus who promised, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Let me tell you a story about a well-known person. And it was the year 1896. Just remember that. 1896. It was in Glasgow University, Scotland. David Livingston, the great missionary statesman. What a man. If you haven't read his story, you need to read it. He was being honored with an honorary doctorate in laws. And when he got up to speak, he was received with absolute respectful silence. That was their way of respecting. It's not all cheers and yelling and stuff. No, no, no. There was absolute silence of respect as he got up and took the podium. David Livingston, Dr. Livingston, began to speak. And he looked gaunt and really haggard as a result of the hardship in tropical Africa. His left arm was crushed by a lion, so it was sort of hanging helplessly by his side. He couldn't even move it. It was hanging helplessly on his side. And he stood there right at the podium on that night, and he announced his resolve to return to Africa. And here's what he said. Let me quote him. I will do so without misgivings and with a great gladness. Then he asked the audience a rhetorical question. Do you know what supported me through all the years away from home, living with some dear people whose language I did not know and whose attitude toward me was often hostile. He said, it was this. He promised, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. On these words, he said, I stacked everything, and they never failed me. And beloved, let me tell you, they will never fail you. They will never fail you. They will never fail you. Can I get an amen? amen? Will you go to the Lord with me in prayer? There may be a skeptic sitting here who said, yo, just this is what things the preachers say. There might be someone here 
feeling conviction. I don't know. Everyone, probably there are as many situations as the people watching, not only here in this beautiful sanctuary, but around the world. Millions of homes and kingdoms set. Wherever you are, God knows where you are. And he is the one who promised. He's the one who made that promise. Nobody asked him to do it. Nobody told him to do it. Nobody plied it out of him. No. He promised to his faithful children, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, you might never have come to the Lord Jesus. You might never experience His amazing love and forgiveness and mercy and grace. Today you can do that and get to know the one who sticks to you closer than a brother. If you're a person who's so apprehensive and so worried and so concerned, cast all your cares upon Him, says the Scripture. He cares for you. So whatever you are, take a moment. Speak to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I could never thank you enough for the dark spots in my life, for the valleys that I walked through, as well as the mountains. Because I've experienced you more in the valley than in the mountain. And Father, I know that I speak for thousands of people of your faithful children who can testify the same. May we, Lord, not allow the burden of this life to get us down and to get our eyes off you and your kingdom and your work and our witness and ambassadorship. Please allow 2021 to be a year of harvest because you are the Lord of the harvest. We are the laborers and we are ready in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Let's stand and sing together.